Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, he casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. If Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Well, this last week has been rather interesting in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, we had a bit of a drama uh, last Sunday. Many of you have, have heard about it. That uh, uh, I won't mention names because it's recorded uh, and uh, a lot of people outside the church listen. But uh, somebody here at church who was really serving quite faithfully and showing his excellent integrity as a fine young man uh, by doing the dishes and helping out, uh, there was somebody who was uh, in the church, a, a guest, uh, not a normal part of the church, but a guest in the life of the church who walked off with his bag, had his wallet in it and uh, uh, a, a few other things. Thankfully, he had his phone, uh, which that was quite good. And, and, and we were quite panicked about the whole thing and, and tried to catch him, tried to find him uh, and the like, and we couldn't. He'd already gone. And we prayed about it a lot. And uh, a little bit later on that afternoon, I guess probably early evening, uh, the guy that had taken the bag, whom we thought was pretty innocent in doing so. I mean, none of us thought that it was any guile or anything. We all suspected that it was just an, an innocent mistake that the person made. Uh, the person ended up turning it into the police station. Uh, and when they turned it into the police station, they said, I'm sorry that I took it, but the voices the voice inside my head told me to take it. But I want to bring it back. Uh, and of course, uh, the fine young man, being as fine as he is, decided not to press any kind of charges or anything. He was just happy uh, to have his bag back. Uh, and, uh, but that's, uh, uh, and you know, thank God, you know, for the answer to prayer and all the people praying and engaging in that. Uh, but you know, you wonder, what was that voice? Well, actually, as Christians, we don't wonder because we know that there are spiritual forces of evil that operate in this world. Some of them are called demons, and some of them, uh, those demons, masquerade as voices inside people's minds. I mean, this happens. In fact, as a church, we have very frequently encountered the demonic. Uh, I remember the day that I met God uh, in our lift. Uh, this was about 10 years ago. Uh, when this guy, uh, dark-skinned man, came in and said, get out of my church. And I said, oh, well, who are you? He said, I'm God, and you're in my church. Get out. 
so we escorted him out of the church uh, that day. I remember the other guy, one of my favorites, when I was preaching a sermon like this, and he, he walked in late. Of course, we have people come in late all the time. He walked in late. He sat about halfway down in the pew. That's all okay. Uh, then he got up and he took off his jacket. Uh, well, okay, that's fine. Uh, that happens. And then uh, uh, a moment later, he got up and he took off his shirt. Okay, this is a little bit unusual. But when he got off to drop his trousers, that's when several of the guys came around him and uh, <laughs> you know, gathered him and, and helped him uh, away. Uh, and uh, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we encounter. And the thing is, it's not just us that have these encounters inside the church. I mean, we'll have encounters all the time with the demonic in our day-to-day lives if we're Christians. And so often I talk to Christians, maybe are having a hard time at work, and they just assume that the person that they're having a hard time with, that it's just because they, they have a bad character, they're mean-spirited, uh, they're selfish, they're greedy, you know, or, or some kind of other excuse, that it's, it's some personality fault or personality trait that is, has made them behave this way. But the truth is, it doesn't have to be. Uh, actually, sometimes demonic spirits can entice people to behave in destructive or harmful ways. I remember one time sitting in a restaurant in Ohio in the United States uh, with somebody, an, an internationally, now an internationally known guy, uh, and we were, Karen and I were talking with him uh, and talking about the Lord and the kingdom of God, and suddenly in a table uh, just across the wall from where we were, one of those minimum height walls, uh, the person started swearing loudly. Uh, we know we immediately recognized that there was something demonic that was happening around there. Uh, even sometimes, uh, there, it manifests in a lot of different ways, a lot of different levels. One of the things we were talking to your kids about when we were up here in the, in the kids' sermon was what, about happen, what happens with nightmares and things like that. And our assumption is that nightmares are just, you know, they just happen, and sometimes they do, but sometimes with our kids, they're demonically motivated. And so we need to be teaching and training our children how to do what I just taught and trained them to do this morning uh, to do that. By the way, that should be the case for you as an adult. Uh, I love uh, a story. This is, gosh, at least 25 years or so ago. I was at a, uh, a marriage retreat uh, in Missouri. And uh, in the middle of the night in, in this hotel, in the middle of the night, uh, we woke up, Karen and I woke up, and we felt that there was a demonic presence in our room. Uh, and if you've never had that experience, uh, well, I'll, I'll, there's a lesson to this story, and you'll get that lesson. Uh, so so what, what did we do? Well, we didn't panic. We just said, hey, in the name of Jesus, we command you to leave this room right now. Uh, just get out. And after a couple of times of doing that, the presence left. We felt at peace, and we both went back to sleep. Next morning, we were talking to uh, our good friends, uh, probably some of our best friends in the States. Uh, we talk about them from time to time. That's where we usually stay when we're in St. Louis, even now. And uh, we, we told them this story, and uh, uh, the, the woman, she said, Oh, man, why doesn't something like this ever happen to us? There are certain things that you don't say, and that's one of them. The next, that, that night, or that, that actually the next morning, 2 a.m., the phone in our hotel room, bleep, 
we, we wake up and they said, there's something in our room and we can't get it out. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> uh, so we just prayed and, and commanded it to go and it went and finally they went to sleep. So that, the moral of that story, be careful what you say, what you ask for. You know, there's, there's some risk in, in all of this. Um, and so it's really important for us to understand this. Now, we have to be careful because there's some Christians that just go way off the deep end in this. I mean, they, it's almost like they want demons to do gymnastics. Uh, they're trying to decipher, you know, mystery, mysterious demonic names. You know, they, they think that they need to do a, a special dance somehow in the Holy Spirit, you know, to, to deal with the demonic uh, there's all kinds of things that come out and all kinds of distortions that come out. Uh, and I've heard a lot over the years in all of this. So, so we don't have to go out off the deep end on this. We need to stay with what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches quite a bit about this. But at the same time, there's a whole host of other Christians that, that don't even acknowledge the reality of demons, uh, or certainly they will say that demons can't attack Christians, they can't influence Christians, and that's absolutely wrong. There's nothing in the Bible that says that demons can't attack Christians uh, or influence Christians. Uh, and so we need to be ready because as we're talking about the kingdom of God, we have said here repeatedly that when we declare Jesus is king, that means he is the king over all other kings. And when we declare that there is a kingdom, we are saying that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven in which Jesus is king is over all the kingdoms of this world. And we said in, in previous sermons that that's one of the reasons why countries like China will persecute churches because they know implicitly that the very existence of a church is a declaration that Jesus is king and his kingdom is over the government of China. The only exception to that is when the church capitulates to the government and comes under the authority of the government. But the church, the very existence of the church, is an affront to the kingdoms of this world and the very existence of the church is an affront to another kingdom, the kingdom of Satan. And that's what Jesus is talking about here today. So we have this story. He's, he's there. There's a man who can't speak. He's mute. Jesus discerns that this is not a genetic issue. It's not a physical issue. It's a demonic issue. And we won't get into how he discerned that. Uh, but he discerned it. And so he said, okay, get out, you mute spirit. Uh, and the spirit left. And then the guy started speaking. And then a lot of people were like, all right, this is great, you know. Something is going on here. This is excellent. Now notice their response. They do two things right away that we will always see in the confrontations of kingdoms. Uh, first of all, they say, well, okay, it's only by Beelzebul that you're casting out this demon. You know, your, your source of power is not really God's power. It's a question of power. And then they say, what sign will you give us? It's a question of proof. And people in the world today are seeking power and proof. The whole issue around uh, the protests that have been going on in London 
is an issue of who is going to have power. And if we get enough people protesting, in fact, they believe if you get 3.5% of the population to protest, they will wield enough power collectively to force a change. It's all about power and whose kingdom is going to have more power. Uh, or it's all about proof. It's like, okay, prove to us that you are the king that we need to follow. Prove to us that Jesus is God, not Krishna. Prove to us that Jesus is God, not Buddha. Prove to us that Jesus is God, not Allah. Prove to us that Jesus is God, not me. And so people are on a quest for power and for proof, and the quest for power and for proof will always lead you down the wrong path. It will always lead you down the wrong path. Because you'll never have enough power and you'll certainly never have enough proof. At the end of the day, your kingdom allegiance requires faith. That's why Jesus said, kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe, have faith. Your kingdom allegiance always requires faith. You will never see enough power and you will never get enough proof to align yourself with Jesus over against any other kingdom of the world. So one day you're going to have to take a step of faith and say, okay, this is the kingdom I'm going to be part of. One day you have to stop looking for power and stop looking for proof and make a decision. And that's what Jesus was saying. That's what Jesus was challenging them with. He was saying, you know, you can't look for power and you can't look for proof. And then Jesus goes on and he starts talking about Satan. He starts talking about Beelzebul, about the demonic. And he says something that's very important here. Satan has a kingdom. Just like God has a kingdom <clears throat> and God is trying to extend his kingdom rulership across the earth and one day he will when Jesus comes again but in the meantime as we've been talking about God wants to advance his kingdom through the church bringing more and more people under his lordship under his kingdom rulership uh, and so he's doing that but just in the same way Satan is trying to extend his kingdom rulership he wants to get more and more people to follow him and so we're in a battleground of these two kingdoms. And the problem is, eventually, you will have to have an allegiance to one of these two kingdoms. We'll see that here again in just a moment. Now, as part of Satan's kingdom, the purpose of the kingdom is for people to come under his rulership. That's what Satan wants. He wants to influence people according to his way and his will, just as God wants to influence people according to his way and his will, but God has demonstrated that his way is love through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God has also demonstrated that his way has the ultimate power, but to get to that power, you have to go through the weakness of the cross. So many Christians make a mistake think, thinking that if I just have enough spiritual power 
then I can make things happen for me. If I have enough spiritual power, I can get rid of all the demons in my city. If I have enough spiritual power, I can have somebody fall in love with me. If I have enough spiritual power, I can get the job that I want. Oh, bad things won't happen in my life, so on and so on. That's not the teaching of the scripture. Power always comes through the weakness of the cross. That's the, that's the message there. <clears throat> but Satan has a kingdom, and as part of his kingdom, he has demonic spirits that the Bible sometimes called demons. Uh, some of the bigger ones are called principalities, powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, and they're known by how they influence. You know, So there are some spirits that try to influence individuals. There are some spirits that try to influence neighborhoods or cities. There are some spirits that, that try to influence geographical regions. There are some spirits that try to influence nations. You can see this in North Korea. There's a demonic spirit behind the Kim regime, and until that spirit is weakened, there will be no real repentance and change in that nation. And so that's one of the reasons we pray, is to see a shift in that reality, but this is all part of Satan's kingdom reality. Satan wants to advance his rulership, and God, God's kingdom, is lifted up not only over the kingdoms of this world, but also the kingdom of Satan, which is why he hates Christians. If you want to know why somebody in your workplace might start persecuting you simply because you're a Christian, it's because the devil hates you. He hates us. Why, why would we be surprised if we get attacked spiritually? We shouldn't be surprised one bit that we get attacked spiritually it's going to happen because we are in a conflict of kingdoms and your very presence is a declaration of allegiance to jesus christ wherever you are if you're in the work if you're at school wherever you are your very presence is a declaration of allegiance to Jesus Christ, and that's why the devil hates you, and that's why the devil wants to do all that he can to undermine you and to cause you to fall. Now, our danger here is we can start thinking that, okay, you got the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan, and the, these are two equal and opposite kingdoms attacking one another. <clears throat> you might have heard, seen the yin and yang kind of sign. Uh, if you've seen that, uh, I think it's Chinese. You know, it's got two halves to it. One's white, one's dark. And the whole idea with yin and yang is that there's these two equal and opposing forces. One is the force of light. One is the force of darkness. And they're constantly wrestling between the two uh, for power and authority. That is absolutely not the biblical concept. That is absolutely not the biblical concept. In fact, Jesus goes on and he tells the people, he says, listen guys, <clears throat> I'm not allied, uh, aligned with the kingdom of Satan because if his Satan, any kingdom is divided against itself, it's going to fall. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, that is the spirit of God, if I take authority and cast out a demon, that is a sign, that the, an indicator that the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying here, He's making a declaration that the kingdom of God comes in this confrontation. Part of the reason why we have this confrontation in the world today is to show the superiority of Jesus 
over the kingdom of darkness. These are not two equal and opposite kingdoms. Part of our purpose is to see the kingdom of God coming by individuals getting free from demonic influence in their lives, as well as seeing even cities, nations, regions get free of this demonic influence. And the big mistake that we often make is to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We need to be respectful, but we don't have to be afraid. It's a bit like electricity. You know, I'm not afraid that we have electric, electrically powered implements here uh, giving us warmth here in the middle of the sanctuary. No, but I'm going to have enough respect for them and, and the electricity that powers them not to stick my fingers in the socket wondering what's going to happen. Now, so we don't need to be afraid of the kingdom of darkness, although he wants to make us afraid. We need to respect it, but we need to understand that part of our calling, part of our mission, and we're going to see this in subsequent weeks, is to go out into the world as representatives of the kingdom of God, seeing captives set free. And this can happen in your workplace. Now, okay, what happens if you've got that person persecuting you know, does that mean that you go, you know, tomorrow you go into the workplace, you go up to the person, you say, come out, foul spirit. Well, that probably would get you fired. I wouldn't recommend it. You know, that, that kind of thing. Uh, not at all. But it does mean that you can take authority and pray. So I've seen this happen. I've done this myself. Where, okay, you're going to go into work. You say, Father, today, in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus... I bind any demon speaking to or through this person. I command it to silence. And I pray, Lord, that you'd soften the person's heart that they might feel your love coming through me, feel your grace working through me, and, and they might be drawn to your kingdom and away from Satan's kingdom. You can pray that prayer. If you're about to go into a meeting with the person, you say, in the name of Jesus, I bind this spirit from manifesting during this meeting. And I've seen changes happen. And if you are confident in who you are in Jesus Christ, I've seen Christians walk into a room and change the environment in that room by their presence. It will happen by your very presence. Because that's part of our mission. That's part of what God has called us to do. Now, how can we do that? How can we do that with confidence? We can do that by paying attention to what Jesus says next. He talks about, you know, the, the guy, let, let me put on my glasses and, and read it to you. Uh, it's uh, the verses here about the strong man. He says, verse 21, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides the spoil. Uh, there's a lot of teaching in the body of Christ today that will say, you know, we need to go into an area and bind the strong man. And once we bind the strong man, uh, we can deal with that area. Now, that's, that teaching is not 100% error, you know, so I'm not speaking against that. But what Jesus is teaching us here is that he is the one who binds the strong man, and in his coming, the strong man has already been bound. This is not a contest between two equal and opposite forces. It's not even a contest between somebody who's slightly greater than the other. 
It is a contest between Jesus the King, who is the King. There is no one like him, no other name that can be named. He has, in his death and resurrection, his life, death, resurrection, he has decisively and finally bound the strong man. The strong man right now is bound. And he's been bound by the work of Jesus Christ. The palace of the strong man here in this, uh, in this parable, the palace is the world. How did Satan get the world? He got the world through human sin. His palace is the world. The goods of the enemy are the people in the world who are influenced under his control. His armor are his weapons, his things like temptation, accusation, deception, false spiritual power. Those things are his armor. His armor has been taken away. In other words, his armor cannot influence you unless you allow it to. The spoils that we get to divide are the people who are set free. The strong man has been bound. The strong man is Jesus. I mean, the strong man is Satan, rather. Jesus has bound the strong man in his death and in his resurrection. So when you go to the marketplace tomorrow, your workplace tomorrow, when you go to school, wherever you go, you go knowing that the strong man has already been bound through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means we go without fear we go without thought that we're actually going to lose the battle because as we sang earlier today, the battle belongs to the Lord. And the battle has already been won. Do you know that if you do not sin, you cannot lose? Now you might think, well, what about all these Christians who are persecuted, who may have even killed for their faith? Do you know, if you're killed for your faith, you haven't lost. If you sacrifice everything, you don't lose. Do you get this? Even if you think you lose, you don't lose. Because the strong man has already been bound. So we go with confidence. We do not fear. We don't fear the devil. We respect the devil, but we don't fear the devil. We go with the confidence that God has more power to bless me than Satan has to curse me. I have more faith in God's ability to bless me than Satan's ability to curse me. You need to have more faith in God's ability to bless you than Satan's ability to curse you. Together, we have more faith in God's ability to bless us than Satan's ability to curse us. That's why I'm not afraid of demons. I don't go seeking them out. I don't go try to kick them in the trousers and get them upset. That's foolish. But if they manifest, if they come up, I don't have any fear of them because I know ultimately that they have been bound through the finished work of Jesus Christ and the cross and the empty tomb. Do we get that? They have been bound. Then Jesus makes one other point here. And that is, in the conflict of kingdoms, there is no neutral ground. There's no neutral ground. Either you are for Jesus or you are working against Jesus. Either you are for Jesus or you're working against Jesus. 
Either you are gathering with Jesus or you're scattering. And this is really important. You can't go to work tomorrow thinking that work is neutral ground. It's not. You can't go to work tomorrow thinking, okay, well, I'm just going to hide out and, uh, and I won't really be a Christian here because, uh, you know, I don't want to expose myself. There is no such thing as neutral ground in this battle. Either you will promote the kingdom or you're promoting the kingdom of God or you're promoting the kingdom of Satan. Either you are living in such a way as to draw people to Jesus or you're living in such a way as to push people away from Jesus. There's no middle ground. Every day of your life, everywhere you go, either you will be a light that draws people to the light of Jesus living inside of you, or you will be an element of darkness that pushes people away. There is no neutral ground in this battle of kingdoms, particularly in the battle of kingdoms between the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the kingdom of the devil. Now how that plays out in your life, what God wants you to do, that's going to vary for all of us. And I'm not saying in this that God is going to want you to go into your workplace tomorrow and stand up on your desk, if you have a desk, and start preaching to everybody and say, repent, you sinners, uh, or you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. Uh, Actually, that's very unproductive. Uh, Even though it, it might be true, it tends to push people away. So you need to understand, where are you standing? What side are you on? I love, there was an ancient old hymn. Uh, I should have looked up the lyrics. It just came to me. Uh, and it's called, Who is on the Lord's Side? And that's what you have to decide. Are you on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side? Because everywhere you go, everything you do, every stand you take, you're either standing for the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or standing for the kingdom of the enemy the kingdom of Satan. You can only have one allegiance and that has to be to Jesus. He has to be your king. We talk about making Jesus our personal Lord and Savior and there's some truth to that. I'm not against that language but actually, you know, you don't make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior. Do you know that? It's not really your choice. Jesus is king, whether or not you give him your allegiance. He is king. He is the Lord, whether or not you follow him. He is savior, whether or not you receive his saving work on the cross. And your allegiance has to be to one king who is the Lord, the savior, the one who will reign for all eternity. Who is on the Lord's side? For me, for this church, we take a stand. And we say we're on the Lord's side. And that's why our presence here in the city of London is an affront to the kingdom of Satan. Our presence here in the city of London is an affront to all the principalities and powers 
operating around us. Our presence here is an affront to all the false religions that surround us. Our presence here is a declaration there is only one king and Jesus is the king. And no matter what you take from us, even if you take everything, Jesus is the king. And we have given our allegiance to him. If that's not true for you, by the way, today, then make it true. Give your allegiance to Jesus. Jesus, I surrender everything to you. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, thank you so much. Jesus, thank you that you are the king. Thank you that your kingdom has already overcome the kingdom of Satan. Thank you that you, Jesus, through your life, death, and resurrection, have already bound the strong man in this world so that we, under your command, can plunder his goods. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the king in charge of a kingdom, and you have made us that kingdom and priests unto our God so that we will reign on this earth under your leadership, under your authority, under your command. So Jesus, once again, we surrender ourselves to you. Once again, we give you our allegiance. You and you alone are our king. And we love you and we thank you for loving us. And we pray all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.